Morning, K2. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> Man, Hollywood knows how to do it, don't they? Like, uh, we, were doing, we were doing prep time earlier, and I think half of the gals in the back were crying uh, after we <laughs> watched this. You know, my wife and I, we've been married 13 years, keeping the romance alive. We, we love uh, the Princess Bride. And uh, last Sunday, we were having people over. Uh, you know, there was a picture. She opened up the cupboard. There's a picture up on the top shelf, and she's like, Fawn boy, will you fetch me the picture? <laughs> like a, you know, chivalrous, as you wish. You know, uh, it's a good movie, good movie. Um, speaking of my wife, uh, she is out of town at a wedding, and we're talking about marriage, so I get to say whatever I want. Uh, so, <laughs> she knew well, full well, what I was talking about today, so her fault, I guess. So, uh, what a way to start. Oh, man, this is on Facebook. So, hey, glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we, you know, we actually have, you know, the silver, silver screen gives us a, a, a picture of what marriage is supposed to be like, right? And then oftentimes we walk into marriage and we see something else, right? And so we want you to have, here at K2, we want you to have a, an amazing marriage. We want you to have just a, a fantastic, life-giving relationship if you're married. And if you're not married, I, I think this is also going to be important for you to listen to because I don't know many of you that have come to me and told me that you plan to be celibate the rest of your life. And so it's a good thing to figure out what you want to do about marriage uh, and how it's going to live, live its way out in you before you get married too. So I feel like this could be a sermon that applies to everybody, whether you're married, you're dating, or you're not in a relationship right now. So thanks for being here this morning. Um, yeah, <clears throat> one quick thing. Today, the, the, the marriage or the sermon's on love and respect. And so the, the concept of this series that we're going to do the next two weeks is built on a, uh, on a book that's written by Emerson and Sarah Egridge. It sold over two million copies there's a uh, video series that a lot of churches use uh, to take classes. Tens of thousands of people have been through that class. We actually are going to be bringing them in live, in person, to come to K2 in February, February 22nd and 23rd. And they only do five of these a year, never been to Utah. There's never been a marriage conference that's going to be this big in, the, in Utah ever. So this is, this is a pretty cool thing that's coming to us. And so just consider this a, uh, a little sneak peek into what we're going to be doing in February, uh, in tw- the 22nd and 23rd. I know it's like six months out, so just know that we're going to be talking about it coming up, okay? You guys ready to jump on in? So the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he's a great writer, great rhetorician. He has this really romantic verse that I want to share with you, okay? It's right here. Let's read the second part of it. Do not look for a wife. Those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you of this. (laughs) That was totally written by a dude, wasn't it? Like, straight up. Um, And hey, real quick, before we, we're going to talk about this, but before all you guys out there are like, oh, that gives me a free pass, let me read this too. now to the unmarried and the, the widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. Paul was single. But 
if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burden with passion. So let me interpret this passage for you. If you like it, you should put a ring on it, okay? <laughs> you guys can So, let's go back to the, the trouble passage, because I think we've all experienced this. We, we watch the movies, we watch the movies, right? And we see a certain image of what a relationship, what a marriage should look like, and then we actually get married, and we find that when we get married, we have trouble, right? And what's, what's going on right here? What's happening in the midst of this thing that we're talking about that's called marriage? And I want to I wanna suggest that there's something going on here. We have, because of all sorts of things, our culture, um, Hollywood, we have expectations that we create when we walk into marriage, right? And... Uh, and oftentimes that expectation is marriage is going to bring me happiness. If we want to boil it all down to, to the simple expectation and understanding. And if we, if we come into marriage with that understanding, we're actually going to be disappointed because what we find is that we walk into marriage and that even though there's a lot of really, 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 really good things, we find that there's also some bad things that come along with it, right? And it doesn't always lead to happiness. In fact, we've, we've found uh, that, you know, almost 50% of marriages end in divorce, right? So what's going on with this? We've we we got we to dive into this and unpack it. And I think one of, it, one of these things is that when we, when we dive into marriage, it isn't because our husband is emotionally unavailable or our wife is a nag or any of that. That's not the problem, okay? Like, you might have that problem, and if you do, we'd love to chat with you about that. But here's, here's really the, the, a bigger issue is that when we uh, get married, we actually have to look at ourselves in a mirror, right? Because who you are in relationship is who you are in relationship. So you don't actually have to be married to understand this. But oftentimes, if you're in a very, very close relationship, um, when tensions arise, you actually have to come face to face with yourself. Like, for example... When, uh, when my wife, so I was, I was going into ministry. Uh, my wife and I ended up, we met in Bible college. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an on-fire Christian. I, I want to go out there. I want to reach the world for the gospel. You know, I, I say that I love my enemies. And then God tests me by giving me a wife, right? He's like, <laughs> you say you love your enemies, but do you love her? I'm not saying she's my enemy, <laughs> but it is funny, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, it's, you know, you, you actually, you actually, I actually see, Jesus is saying, you say this, but do you actually believe it? Do you, are you going to actually live it out? That when she treats you in a way that you don't feel is right, are you still going to love her back? I can actually more clearly see myself in the midst of a relationship that close. So that's, a, that's an issue, especially with the fact that um, I don't like to take, I don't, I, when I look at that image and I don't like it, uh, it's easy for me to blame her, right? And so it's like, okay, that's actually your fault. Uh, and, and then we, we dive down this spiraling circle that, that leads nowhere good, right? And so this is an issue as we walk into relationships, we walk into marriage, we have uh, poor expectations. In fact, if we feel like 
when you walk into marriage, that that person is going to meet all your needs all the time. Um, you have made that person into either your God or your slave. And I just want to ask you, how's that going for you? <laughs> right? It, no person can meet all your needs all the time. Right? The best they can do is meet some of your needs some of the time. And if you have an expectation that that's what they're going to do, they are going to fail you. And when they do fail you, um, you know, our culture, part of, part of this is going back to the silver screen, right, is that uh, if I'm not happy in my relationship, then I need to go look for another one, right? And, and we, we treat that person like they're uh, a used car. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a new model. Uh, but they're not a used car. They're a human being created in the image of God. And you stood up in front of a whole group of people, your family, your friends, and more importantly, in front of God, you said, I'm going to stay with you for the rest of my life till death do us part, right? And so today we're going to talk about how, how do we actually do this right? Like, don't you guys want to do this right? Like, there's something that we're missing. And so we need to, we need to dive into what that thing is. And so let's, let's, uh, let's head towards the positive. And, and what I want to say is I've, I've painted a really... Uh, beautiful picture of marriage so far, right? It's like, here's all the bad things. Uh, here, here's what I'll tell you. People uh, who've been married uh, 30 plus years, research shows they are the happiest people on the face of the earth. Who's been married 30 plus years in the room? Yeah, let's just give them a round of applause. Good work. Good work. <clears throat> They've got more serotonin sparking in there than the rest of us, so... Uh, we only aspire to be like you, and uh, thanks for being a good example for us. Uh, you know, but even if you're not there yet, here's the, here's the, the real data, uh, is that people who are married are more financially secure. They uh, are healthier, have a longer life expectancy, and have better sex than those who are not. I know eight guys just woke up, okay? <laughs> right? So... We're, we're talking about marriage, just if you were asleep there for a second. Um, and uh, I promise you, if, if you listen to the rest of this sermon, it'll be good for you, okay? All you, all you guys that just woke up. And in fact, I am uh, I'm actually speaking this sermon, specifically next week, we'll be talking more to the ladies, but today we're talking more to the men. And so I want to say, are you guys with me today? Yeah? Yeah. All right. Whether you're single, whether you're, you're married, this is important for you to know so that we can have uh, successful and uh, really happy marriages. So let's, let's dive in, first of all, uh, in, into the first scripture here out of Galatians. This is a, really, I think, essential and important, something that the church has missed at times when talking about marriage, but I'm not going to miss it today. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, first I just want to start out. There's men and there's women. What does this passage say? Who's higher? We're on an even plane, okay? There is equality uh, between men and women. And that's taught all throughout the scriptures. I don't believe just in the New Testament, but in Christ we're, we're new creation, and we're all on the same page. That's definitely top. But let me go back to something. Two weeks ago, I taught on the book of Genesis, chapter 1. 
And, uh, and I wasn't able to talk about this, but let's go there. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So was the male or the female created in the image of God? Both. Okay, that's interesting. Is God's image more masculine or more feminine? Okay. Oh, I just, maybe I stepped on a landmine with that one. I don't know. There is something uh, beautiful in the end of this, in this chapter. It says, the two, a uh, man will leave his wife, or leave his, not his love. What am I preaching on? Uh, I get paid to speak for a living, okay? Uh, um, a man will leave his father and mother, and uh, he will cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There's something that shows off God and his image when two people come together and actually live together like they're one. Uh, the image of God is actually brought to more fullness, which is really cool. So your, your marriage, done well, actually can show who our God is in a whole different way. And so let, let's just all agree that, that in marriage, um, there's, there's equality. There's no one higher than the other. We're all created in God's image. And, uh, and so we'll start there. The next piece is that just because we're, we're all equal doesn't mean that there's not roles and there's not differences between the sexes, right? Like, I really like that there's differences between the sexes because I think my wife is a lot prettier than me, right? So, <laughs> for one. But uh, she, she's also, since we become parents, like, there's just something, there's something in the relationship between her and my kids that I can't even explain. Like, there's this, this connection. Um, she is a nurturer, I feel like, you know, the, there's a lot of the traditional masculine, feminine qualities. Um, some, sometimes I feel like I, I, I have some of those. Like, I, I feel like I'm more of a nurturer than some guys. And I like to talk through things like where, where some guys don't. I don't know. But she is like, I look at her and I'm like, what is going on with, like, you are amazing at that. Like, there's something in the way that she nurtures our kids and the connection that forms between them that I'm just like, Wow. That, that is amazing. That is something that God created in her that, that is just super special. And I see it happening among mothers all over the place. And it's the reason why Mother's Day is bigger than Father's Day, right? Um, but it's, it's something very special there. So we can say that there's uh, equality, but there's, there's also uh, differences, right, between the sexes. And so today we're going to dive in to see what the Apostle Paul uh, says about those differences and how we should actually live them out. Because I think part of the hardness of marriage is the fact that we have, we, we speak different languages almost, right? We, we speak uh, and we kind of, in, the, in the, the process, we kind of like pass each other. Like I'm saying something and, and you're hearing one thing and you're saying something and I'm hearing another thing and we're totally miscommunicating in the process. So Paul's trying to help us out in that so we can actually start communicating in a way that we understand, okay? You guys ready to dive into Ephesians? This is our main passage for today. Yeah. Ephesians chapter five, verses 25 through 33 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves him, his wife loves himself. That last verse right there, he who loves his wife loves himself. If you look at the Greek, it, it says literally, happy wife, happy life. That's what... <laughs> Guys. <laughs> it's a joke, okay? <laughs> After all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. What's a profound mystery? I'm talking about Christ in the church. We'll move on to verse three and, or 33 in just a second. I just want to encourage you to say this. Marriage, so many in the world, is this picture of something that is fleeting, that's going to half the time end in divorce. Uh, it's, it's, it's a mess. But... God wants to tell a whole different story with your marriage. If you're a follower of Christ, he says that if you're married, you're actually, it's not just about you and your wife or you and your husband. He's actually saying, I am doing something so special that this is, it's a profound mystery, but I'm not talking about you and your, your spouse. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Like, if you do that well, you actually are preaching the gospel. Some of you say, I'm not very good at evangelism. Well, if you're stinking good at marriage, you're good at evangelism because you are telling an amazing story about who our God is and how much he loves us because here's the deal. It's not easy to be married. It's not easy, but if we do it this way, it's it actually tells us who Jesus is. Do you know why? Because Jesus, it says at the beginning of this passage that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. What does it say Christ did? He gave himself up for her. So what he's asking us to do, husbands, men, <clears throat> is to be willing to sacrifice ourselves. That's unnatural for us to do, right? Because we like to make sure that our needs are taken care of first. And he's saying, don't do that. If you do that, if you try to meet your own needs first, you will sabotage your relationship. You have made a, a big mistake, a big error. Instead, first of all, meet the needs of the other person. And if you do that, then great things are going to come. Amazing things are going to come out of your marriage. You're going to tell a story about your marriage that will spark and ignite people to understand a whole new image of what love is. Like, instead of being fleeting and hard and here today and gone tomorrow, it's like it, it ignites this beautiful love story that, that can only be told through this avenue. It's an amazing thing. That this, is, this is something that I hope gives you hope. <laughs> There's something really special going on here. And I just want to say, it's not only wives, or husbands for wives, but it says in, in verse 21 in chapter 5, it says that we should submit to one another out of reverence for who? For Christ. Because that's the way 
Christ lived. He gave up himself. So that's, that's, that's just, hold on to that. We're going to get deeper into that little bundle, but we, let's finish out here. He, he really sums up. I, I left off the first part of this passage because Mike Rutledge is going to get it next week with you ladies, okay, about respect. So he sums it up here in verse 33 saying, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So Paul boils down a happy marriage to two things, right? Love and respect. If you want a happy marriage, all you need are those two things. And what he does is he actually boils it down even further. He says, if you're a dude, you need to love. If you're a chick, you need to respect. Here's the thing. Is he's not saying that we don't need both. I think as human beings, we, we need both, right? We can't survive without love. We, we need to be respected as well. But there is something going on here. I'd like to make a premise on this, uh, is that men speak and act in terms of respect, and women are hardwired to speak and act in terms of love. Let me, let me read you something from a neuropsychiatrist, neuropsych- uh, Luann Brisdine. Um, she wrote the book, uh, she wrote the, book uh, the Female Brain in uh, 2006. She says this, <clears throat> Out of 30,000 genes in the human genome, less than 1% variation is between the sexes. But that percentage difference influences every single cell in our bodies, from the nerves that register pleasure and pain to the neurons that transmit perception, thoughts, feelings, and emotions. She also wrote this, males and females become reactive to different types of stresses. Girls begin to react more to relationship stresses and boys to challenges to their authority. Uh, Relationship conflict is what drives a teen girl's stress uh, system wild. She needs to be liked and socially connected. A teen boy needs to be respected. That's from a uh, neuropsychiatrist talking about the differences between the male and the female brain. So this is the the situation that, that the Bible speaks into and says, guess what? Guys, you are hardwired for respect. Uh, women, you are hardwired for love. And one of the issues that we're facing when we're trying to deal with each other is that we, uh, we speak our love language to the other person and we hope that they receive it, right? Instead of, first of all, submitting ourselves to the other person and trying to understand what their love language is and then speaking that to them, right? And so, uh, so men, we speak to our wives in terms of respect and then we wonder why they don't feel loved. We're like, what's the deal? I'm, all the guys in my office, they, they respond to this. It's like, duh, okay. Uh, <laughs> she's, not the, she's not the guy from your office, okay? <laughs> and then, and then uh, women, we're, you're, you're wondering why he's reacting so poorly when you say something a certain way. And it's, it's oftentimes because he feels like you've undermined him uh, or his authority or you've disrespected him in some way. And I... I've got a, in my own marriage, uh, it's one of the reasons I'm now realizing when we first got married, one of the things we fought about probably the most was 
uh, when my, my wife and I would get into a battle, but then we'd go out into public. I could just turn off the switch and be like, okay, we're going to go put on the face. We're going to go live the life. Uh, we'll get back to this when we get home, <laughs> right? And then it, she didn't get the memo for some reason. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but we get out in public and she keeps bringing this thing up. And I'm like, public, shut up, you know? You know, she needs to know that we are connected. In order for her to be uh, at peace, to feel safe, she needs to know that I still love her. And so she's reaching out. She's trying to feel like, are, are we okay? Are we good? She's trying to make peace in the situation. And I'm like, you are embarrassing me right now. Like, you're undermining me in front of my friends, my family, whoever, where we're at right now. And so we just clashed over this over and over and over again. Couldn't figure it out. It's, it's another reason why uh, when, when we were in Tennessee, this happened maybe three years into our relationship, our marriage. Uh, I, I was on the phone with my wife. Did you guys know the Motorola Razors? flip phone, little thin thing, (laughs) yeah, okay, so I'm on the phone with her, and uh, she hung up on me, I am, I am, I I like to think of myself as very logical, thoughtful, Uh, I don't get out of hand, I don't get angry, Um, I was walking through, you know, logical steps, why why, why would she hang up on the midst of that, like, we, we, were, we were walking through it, and she just hung up, and I, my blood pressure went up <laughs> for some odd reason. Why would she do that? Flip the phone down. Guess what that thing does? It is awesome as a rock to skip across the parking lot. <laughs> that thing, like, I think I would have gotten points, like, you know, if, if that was on a river, it would have been at least 12 skips. But <laughs> there, I mean nobody's ever done that to me. Nobody's ever hung up the phone on me. Why would they do that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, same, same sort of thing. My wife, uh, one day, uh, we, when, we were in, when I was in grad school, she, uh, we were sharing a car. We were poor. Uh, I would pick her up, but often I was late. So this one day, she's waiting outside of her building, uh, waiting for me to pick her up. I'm 10 minutes late. Um, in that 10 minutes... She gets stung by a bee. Her hand swells up like this. I pick her up. She's fuming. She's mad. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I got stung by a bee. Okay, well, let's fix it. Why are you mad at me, though? Like, what's, I, I'm not getting it. Like, in her brain, I, I mean, so I was often late. I think she, she was holding this in for a while. <clears throat> You're, you're caught up with other people, talking to them, gabbing with them. More, other people are more important than me. If you cared about me, you wouldn't be late to pick me up. <laughs> Therefore, the bee sting was my fault. I didn't live it down for like a month. I mean, it was bad. (laughs) 
Love and respect, right? We're speaking different languages. And then we're going, why, why is it not working? Right? right? It's like, what's, what's going on in the midst of this? How are we supposed to get on the same page? We both need both, but we actually speak one and expect the other. Right? And so, <clears throat> here's the deal. This is, this is the problem where most marriages fall off the rails, is that you feel like, okay, how, before I go there, how many of you who are married feel like the other person married you with the intentions of ruining your life? <laughs> Don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> I, hope, I hope very few of you feel that way. Um, I hope very few of you feel that way. They didn't. They wanted to love you, right? But somewhere along the, the way, you got hurt by them enough times that this, this flip switch happened, and you're like, well, I'm going to play hardball then. I'm going to play by your rules, <laughs> right? And first of all, understand that we're speaking different languages, so we keep hurting each other. <laughs> we keep not showing up and, saying, and you know, making these things. Um, and so... <clears throat> and, and then we, we head down this road where we try to uh, get the other person to give us what we need and what we want by withholding what they need and what they want. How's that working for you? Right? We cannot, put this up on the slide there, you cannot motivate the other person to meet your needs by depriving them of their needs. When we do this, it's called the crazy cycle because that's about how it works. <laughs> You're crazy to think it's going to change anything. It's not. It's only going to make it worse. And usually this happens a couple years into the marriage, right? Uh, for, for me and my wife, it happened about seven years-ish into our relationship. We'd had our first son, Miles. And I think my, not I think, my wife had gone through postpartum depression. I wouldn't say this without her verifying this. So... She's, uh, she's struggling, and I'm just like, she is not treating me well. Uh, I am going to do the same. So I just kind of headlong through into this, this, this way of thinking. Like, I'm going to get her to treat me well by treating her poorly. And you guys can kind of see the handwriting on the wall. This just does not work. I've tried it. Like, I've tried it, and I, thankfully, thankfully, I have a wife who loves me enough to say, Derek, I know I've been acting crazy. I wrote that down and dated it, right? <laughs> no. Uh, but you are not the Derek I know. You've not, you've not been acting like the guy I married. And I know that you're not that guy. And somehow that popped me out of it. But I'm so thankful I have a wife who's strong enough to tell me that. <clears throat> but it just, it just does not work, and it never leads to life. So, men, I'm still talking to you, okay? Here's the deal. If you're married and your marriage isn't going well, you have all the power to fix it yourself. Okay? If you're unmarried and you're a dude, and you 
lived through your parents getting divorced and you are afraid of that happening to you, there is nothing that you need to be afraid of because when you love your wife, if she has an ounce of softness in her heart, she will respond to it. 100%. Well, I'll say 99.5% because I looked it up and less than half of 1% of women are narcissists or sociopaths. So we'll just leave them out. (laughs) 99.5% chance that this will work for you, okay? Love your wife like Christ loved the church. That's what Paul is asking you to do. And he's saying, if you do that, you will have an amazing marriage. Like, she will start responding the way that you were hoping that she would respond this whole time if you just do that. So let's look into this example. Well, before we do this, I just want to say this. If you love your wife well, men, are you with me? If you love your wife well, she will ruin your life. But you will get the best thing back. I mean, ruin it in the best way possible. That's what I meant, women, okay? Jeez, why are you all upset about that? It's, it's, it's going to be hard, but it will be amazing. Like, the, what I mean by ruining your life, it will not go the way you expected it, the way you planned it, the way you had it ordered, the way you had it designed, you had your linear plan, you had all this put together. It, that's, just break that apart. That's done. That's what I mean by ruin your life. Like, because here's what you have to do. Let's read Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Really, go, go back real quick. I just want to make, make a point. When it says value others above yourselves, does that other include your wife? Okay. <laughs> It even, if you've been married more than once, it includes your ex-wife too, just by the way. Okay, keep going. (laughs) In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, so he's as high as you can get, right? Did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Keep going taking on the very nature of a slave. That's what, that, the, the, that's what the Greek actually means on that one, the slave. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So this is exactly what Paul is asking us to do. He's saying, Christ didn't consider his own life as more important than the church, and more important than all of you. Isn't this a beautiful thing? This is the picture of the gospel. He said, you were more important than me. You were more important than my own life. Even though I was God in heaven, I came down, I made myself into nothing, I made myself into a slave. I, don't, I, I even made myself obedient to death so that you could experience my love. That's who our God is. And he says, men, men, do the same for your wife. 
do the same for your wife. Don't tell me at the altar that you love her if you're not willing to lay your life down for her. She is that important. And if you do that, if you lay your life down for your wife, you're going to be experiencing amazing blessings. You can't get happiness by, as a, as a, if you're heading that way for your marriage, you're trying to get married so you can be happy. But if you live this way, all your plans, all that stuff might be ruined, but you're, you're going to get happiness tenfold as a byproduct of this amazing marriage because you're going to lay yourself down and lift her up. And what, hey, women, what, what would you do if your guy did that for you? And what, let's hear it, let's hear it. What, what, let's hear. Come on. It's so good. It's so good. The problem is, we keep trying to get it the wrong way. Shortcut it. Get the roundabout. The only way, the only way you can have a marriage that is going to be life-giving is to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Now, let me tell you, this is agape love. This, this is love that lays down your life. This is not natural. This is unnatural. Actually, it's not unnatural. It's supernatural. So when I said you have all the ability, I was kind of lying because you don't. Here's the truth is that the only way that you can have this type of love is if you have relationship with Christ because he will give you the power to love like that. It's the only way you can love like that. Otherwise, you're going to be lifting up your own life at the sake of your spouse. It's the only way. That's the way the world works. What can I get from you? How much can you give me? And, uh, and then I'll get as much as I can and then I'll discard you when you can't meet that need anymore, right? And, and Jesus is saying, don't do that. That never is good. You're going to go through, blow through relationship after relationship after relationship. You're going to burn all the bridges. I want you to have life, and I want you to have it to the full. And the way that comes is by lowering yourself and lifting her up. Lift her up. So your wife, there are things you need to do. There's one thing to talk about laying down your life and all these things. It's really uh, up, up here, right? I'm going to give you a list of ways your wife feels loved. And you better hold on to this list like your life depends on it, okay? Because <laughs> it might. So <clears throat> here's, here's the ways that your wife feels loved. Um, when you want to be with her face-to-face, she wants to connect with you, and this is the way she connects with you. We already talked about the way you connect with her. Uh, that was when I was, you know, mentioning the S word earlier, right? So this is the way she wants to connect with you. And when you're holding your phone or you're looking at the TV, it's not good. Put it away. Put it away. This is what she wants to connect with you. I'll, I'll give you a, a, take her out to dinner. Go on a date. There, if you don't know what to talk about, here's the deal. Google this, okay? Uh, 36 questions that lead to love. Uh, researcher, sociologist, I think, uh, did research and came up with those. They're awesome. Uh, go and do them. I tried them out on my wife like three weeks ago, and they work, okay? So go try. <laughs> wife approved. Uh, <clears throat> hey, wives, don't get upset about them for using a script, okay? It's okay. We don't have to be Superman all the time. This is okay. <clears throat> so when your wife, your wife feels loved when you aren't secretly mad at her. Guys, we're hardwired. 
when, when somebody's mad at us, when another dude is mad at us, you give, you give them space, they'll get over it. When you turn away from your wife and you walk away from her, she does not feel your love. Stay close to her, okay? Empathize with her. Empathize with her, but don't fix her, okay? I showed my wife this list. She read through them all. That's the one thing she mentioned. Yeah, but don't fix me. <laughs> right there. <laughs> so, uh, resolve and reconcile with her. So, when you actually stay connected, stay close, like, actually work through the issues. The best thing you can do is to try to fix it, like, in this way. Like, actually, the way you do that is by saying, I'm sorry. That's hard, I know, I know, but just do it, okay? It's the best thing you can do. <clears throat> when you're completely committed to her, let her know that you're never going to leave. Find a hundred ways to say that, okay? Start making a list. <clears throat> and then treasure her above all else. That's what my wife felt like when I left her 10 minutes and she got a bee stung. She didn't feel like I was treasuring her above everybody else, right? But that's who, that's, that's, that's what my, my wife needed to feel at that moment and I wasn't giving it to her. Write those down, save your bulletins, save those things because this is, you got, you find, find some ways you can show these off, right? And here's the deal. You're gonna fail at this. You're gonna fail at this. But here's what, Scriptures say, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. <clears throat> like I said, the best, one of the most loving things you can say to your wife is, I'm sorry. And admit when you're wrong and be vulnerable. Like, but here I'm talking to you ladies just for a second. If you want him to keep doing this, don't use it as ammunition. Okay? Oh, you with me, ladies? Okay. Okay, we'll do it, but don't use it as ammunition, okay? That was the only thing I said to you ladies, okay? The rest of it is hard on the dudes. Remember that. <clears throat> okay, here's before I close out. I just want to say this. Here's another thing. Um, scriptures teach this. Men, younger men and younger women should, earn, should learn from older men and older women. So if you are in a marriage that's struggling and you want to have a better marriage, and you don't know what to do, like one of the best things you could do is just talk with somebody who's in a really good marriage who's been doing it for longer than you. So if you want to do that, we've got some awesome people in awesome marriages here we can connect you up with. So write on your card, come talk to me. We'd love to get you connected. But here, I'm going to invite the, the, wor the worship team up <clears throat> right now. And uh, we're actually going to be heading into a, a song that's going to be really just reflective. And if there's anything that God's been working on you in this sermon, just uh, start praying about that. But as a, all you guys, I give you that list of the ways your wife feels loved. If you are married, spend some time in this song reflecting which one does she need today? Okay? And if you're not married, there's a bunch of, bunch of you in the room that aren't. <clears throat> I just want to say, there, this is, these are principles that apply to every relationship. Okay? This just happens to be a, a sermon on marriage, but think about how you can show some love to your friends or your family this way as well. So let me pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you for giving us a whole new way to think and act and dream about relationship. Lord, you're so good. Lord, we love you. Lord, give us the strength 
through your love to go out and to live this sort of way, a way that's giving up on myself, but with the faith that on the other side, just like your word says about Christ, when he gave up himself, he was obedient to death. In the midst of that, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When he gave up himself, he was exalted. And we pray for the same. In faith, we pray that if we act this way in marriage, Lord, you would show up in our marriage and you would bring healing. Lord, you'd bring peace. You'd bring goodness into the midst of it, Lord, because we need you in our marriages. Lord, we'll fail without you. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word and to understand you more fully. We pray this in your name. Amen.